What is this? What's going on here? What are you people doing here? What is this? Are you trying to trick me? You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. All righty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. This is a different episode of Storytime today. Essentially, it's a rerun. But it's not really a rerun. It's a highlight episode. When I was growing up, Johnny Carson hosted The Tonight Show, and when he was away on vacation or when something else was going on and he couldn't do the show, he would often have a guest host. But sometimes he would put on an episode called The Best of Carson, which was essentially a rerun. I'm not going to rerun shows for you, but what I've done is I've gone back and I've taken excerpts from various episodes, either my favorite episodes or episodes that you guys have said you really enjoyed, and I've taken some of the stories out of those episodes and compiled them in this, okay, rerun episode. If you haven't heard the stories before, I hope you enjoy them. If you have heard them before, I hope you enjoy them again. But here you go. This is the best of story time. We did not curse in my house. When I was growing up, there were there was I shouldn't say there was no cursing. There was very minimal cursing. My dad was a goddammer. His go-to phrase was goddammit. My mom was even less of a curser. She would never curse. Well, I shouldn't say never. Mom's curse was H E double L. Or if she was really bent out of shape, she would go O S H I T. She would never say the word, but she sure would spell it. Every so often, she would also drop a Hell's Bells. I don't know what that meant, but Hell's Bells was always a big one with my mom. But that was it. We didn't have the S word. We didn't have the F word. We didn't have any of the nasty words that you hear every day. And forgive me for calling them nasty words. That's the way I was brought up. And people who've seen me in the stream, you know that I curse. I've cursed on stream a few times. I don't do it a lot. It's not my default mode. I don't go to cursing. I don't use the F word. I don't use the S word very much. Occasionally I do. It depends on the circumstances, but occasionally I do. And a lot of that is my upbringing. And I can say it right now. I mean, I'm doing a podcast. The only one who's recording it is me. I don't have to censor it any way that I don't want to. It's just that it's not a natural thing for me to curse. It's just not the way I was brought up. I was brought up to use polite language. And that's stuck in my head all of these years. So I'll drop the F-bomb every, every once in a while, and I'll, I'll use the S-word. But, you know, I'll go through the list of words that I was not allowed to say, and it's extensive. I mean, the word tits, the word balls, those were bad words in my house. I was in my 20s before I was comfortable saying tits. And to me, it's still kind of a crass word. I don't use that word. Not generally. Balls is still a little uncomfortable for me, too. Nuts is okay. I can say nuts. But balls was never a good word. You know what? Even sucks was bad when I was growing up. We didn't say things sucked because we knew what it meant. We knew where it came from. So we didn't say sucks. We also didn't say fart. We didn't say piss. We didn't say shit. It just was, those were bad words. Now, the only curse words that really were prevalent in my house were God damn it or Jesus Christ, which is weird because we were kind of a religious family too. So taking the Lord's name in vain was bad, but I guess that's why the curse words were so extreme if my dad used them, because you didn't say Jesus Christ unless you really meant it. 
You weren't supposed to say it anywhere but in the context of church. So to use it as, a, as an expletive was really bad. So if dad was Jesus Christing in the basement, you knew something bad was going on. If there was a God damn it, that was bad. The next step from God damn it was God damn it to hell. Now things were getting worse if you were God damning something to hell. But DEFCON 1 for the God damn it was God damn it to hell and back. Then you knew things were really bad. If, if you were goddamning it to hell and back, it was, it was trouble. It was trouble. It was, call the fire department. Something was going wrong. If you were goddamning something to hell and back, it was a serious, serious matter. But there was never an F word. I don't think my dad dropped the F bomb a single time that I'm aware of in my life. And neither did my mom. I didn't learn that till I went away to school and they were so proud. <laughs> The newest word that is making me crazy is niche. Let's take the phrase, I've found my niche, meaning I've found the place where I want to be. I found the hobby that I want to do. I found the job that fits me. That's my niche. People are pronouncing it niche. It's not a niche. It's not a niche. It's not a niche. It's a niche. There's an E on the end, but that's just one of the little stupid little grammar rules and language rules of the English language that the word niche has an E on the end of it. It's a silent E, but it doesn't make the word niche. If the word was niche, it might be spelled N-E-E-S-H. It's not. It's spelled N-I-C-H-E, and it's pronounced niche. Now, niche, just like regardless, are the correct usages and pronunciations of the words. But if you currently look up niche and irregardless, you will find them in current versions of dictionaries. That doesn't make them right. And if you look at them, and if you try to look them up in 30-year-old dictionaries, you will find that niche is not a correct pronunciation. It's not even a recognized pronunciation from years ago. The reason that niche and irregardless have become accepted and are now in dictionaries is because so many people keep using them incorrectly. The people at Merriam-Webster just kind of threw up their hands and went, fine, put the definitions in. We don't care anymore. If you people don't care, we don't care. Here, have niche, have irregardless. But people, help me save the language. They're not correct. Irregardless and niche are not correct. I bet you never thought that anybody could get so passionate about the English language. But I am. I am. This stuff matters. And it means something to me. So now you have to share that love. Or you don't have to. It's up to you. Now here's another one. This is, actually it's a couple. This is not necessarily a misusage or a misspelling as much as it is a mispronunciation. And again, it's just articulation. And believe me when I tell you, my mother would sit me down and literally take minutes out of her day to explain to me correct pronunciations and correct enunciation. And we had to say things carefully. I had, for instance, I had tongue twisters that I had to learn, both to make sure that I was pronouncing things correctly and to make sure that I wasn't lisping or not saying my R's. For instance, rubber baby buggy bumpers. That was one of the tongue twisters my mother gave me to work on my R's when I was a kid. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. As long as I said it correctly, things were good. She sells seashells by the seashore. That's for my S's and my SH's. And we had to go through these so that we could perfect our pronunciation. So that's where this 
pronunciation and language obsession comes from, it's my mother's fault. So when I hear somebody say something like, especially today, or I hope we escape, I just want to smack the spit out of their mouths. There is no G in the word especially or escape. So please don't put one there. Now, my mother also had some issues with often or often. And I got to say, I've looked on that one because my mother would beat it into my head. The word is often, the T is silent. But you know, this is one of the first times I went against my mother because I looked it up and dating back years and years, the pronunciations are pretty much 50-50 on often or often. So I can't really criticize anybody who says either one, even though my mother did. But this is what I mean about my obsession resulting from her obsession, because she would say these things and I would just accept them as gospel. But then I would look things up like often and often because I wanted to confirm, well, uh, you know, it's my mom and she's never wrong, except uh, she might be. And in the case of often and often, she might have been wrong. So I actually say either one, depending on the context, depending on, (laughs) I don't even know what it depends on. I just sometimes say often and sometimes I'll say often. So I'll give you often and often, as long as you give me regardless and niche. And please, you can never have escape, but you can have often. Other words that make me crazy. There's a difference between imply and infer. People will say that he's inferring something when he says a particular phrase. No, he is implying something. When he says a particular phrase, the meaning of what he is implying is what you infer internally. So rule of thumb, the speaker implies the listener infers. That's the way that works. So please don't say, well, I I'm trying to infer something here. No, you're not. You're trying to imply something there. I'll do the inferring. You do the implying. Now, this is some phraseology that would make my mother crazy. I know that because it did. I went to school when I went to college. I went to school in the Midwest. And there's some phraseology out there that my mother just couldn't understand. I I had several friends out in Ohio, out in Michigan, who would tell me that something needs fixed, or their shirt needs ironed, or the house needs cleaned. And I would look at them and I would say, do you mean it needs to be fixed? or needs to be cleaned, or needs to be ironed. And they would say, that's what I said, it needs fixed. I don't get it. I don't know where the usage came from. My mother was having a cow when I told told her that's how they spoke in the Midwest. What are you talking? What is wrong? Why did we send you to Ohio if they don't even know how to speak correctly? Yes, my (laughs) my mom was a language snob, and she passed it on to me. Another biggie for me, and this is again, from my mom. The Genesis has it with my mom. But it's even worse for me because as somebody who talks a lot and as somebody who writes a lot, the difference between something that's ironic and something that's coincidental is important and overlooked by most people. There's a huge difference between irony and coincidence. Coincidence is things that happen to occur at the same time or one after the other. Irony is something entirely different. Let me give you an example. If you break your leg on the day before you go on a ski trip, that's not ironic. That's a coincidence, but it's not ironic. What would be ironic is 
if you go to the mountains for a ski trip, and when you left, there was more snow at home than in the mountains. That's irony. And that's why Alanis Morissette's song about irony makes me crazy, because there's no irony in the song. There's a lot of coincidence, but not a lot of irony. Irony, and again, I don't mean to get too technical, but this stuff matters to me. Irony is some type of reversal of what was expected, like the ski trip, where there's more snow at home where you left than where you went to go do the skiing. A beach trip where it rains all day at the beach and it's sunny back home, that would be ironic. Now, as I said, I always liked words and phrases, and interesting-sounding things have always appealed to me, like the two words that I put in the title to this episode, poppycock and balderdash. Those are fun words to say, aren't they? Poppycock. That's cool. I like that. That's an old word that we don't use hardly at all anymore, and I think we should bring that back. That's poppycock. Can't you hear that in those old movies from the 30s and the 40s? Oh, that's poppycock. And we know what it means. It means nonsense, rubbish, blather. These are all the usual terms we associate with what poppycock is. But me, being the language nerd that I am, I actually had to dig into what exactly poppycock is. And it's really kind of interesting to me, maybe to you. Poppycock is actually derived from a 19th century Dutch term. And in the Dutch... I'm not going to try to pronounce the Dutch, but it's similar to poppycock. But the Dutch term means soft dung. And when you think about it, poppycock nowadays is nonsense, rubbish, useless information. In other words, bullshit. Poppycock means bullshit, which is what it always meant. It's just now okay to say that poppycock means bullshit. So now you have a reason to use poppycock. It's much nicer and cooler sounding, in my opinion, than bullshit. Poppycock makes you sound elegant. Well, that's poppycock, my good man. I think you should try to work that into your, into your vocabulary. The other one that I love is balderdash. Now, there's a game out there called balderdash, and it's a, it's a word game that involves making up words and phrases for people to believe or not to believe. But the term balderdash actually means senseless talk or senseless writing. And me, being the word nerd that I am, I actually dug into this. And I dug into this years ago because I was trying to figure out, well, what the hell is balderdash? Now, I remember some of this stuff, but I've, I've looked up some of this stuff in the spirit of full disclosure. I've looked up some of the stuff to refresh myself on it. And I, as I read this definition, I go, oh, yeah. Balderdash comes from the 1600s, believe it or not. It's, it's a phrase that was used to describe a combination of liquids. Weird, right? Balderdash and a combination of liquids. But that's where it comes from. Now, some sources say it described beer mixed with wine, which is disgusting. Some say it's beer mixed with buttermilk, which is even more disgusting. But it became to be associated with the mixing of frothy and bubbly liquids. And as a result, somehow it became associated with frothy, bubbly language, senseless talk, useless talk. Now, no one knows why. 
And to me, that's one of the cool little mysteries of language. You have this word, it developed somewhere 500 years ago, but no one knows exactly why. And yes, that's the word nerd in me. I'm curious, but that's one of the things we'll never know. We'll never know where that came from. And that's where my imagination kicks in. And that's why I love this stuff. Because I try to imagine how Balderdash became associated with language. So I picture these two guys sitting in an old bar somewhere, drinking their frothy mix of beer and buttermilk. Ew. Talking about Balderdash. And one guy says something stupid. And the other guy says, That's as bad as this horrible drink that I'm drinking. Well, that's Balderdash. It could have happened that way, sure. And it caught on, sure. But that's why I'm always interested in this kind of thing, because my imagination runs wild, and I start coming up with these backstories. Because I like to know why things happen, where they come from. How did this get to be the way it is? Now, a word we do know where it came from is one of my favorite words from my Twitch stream, and that's the word chum. For those who don't regularly visit the stream... We have decided to revive the word chum. Why? Because. (laughs) Because we want to. There are a lot of words for friends and pals and buddies. But the word chum was very, very popular in the early part of the 20th century. But it's been around for longer than that. Now, this is one that I recently looked up because I really wanted to know the derivation of the word chum. Because I think it's a fun word. It's a great word to use for friends. And that's what we call each other in my Twitch stream. We're all chums. It comes from our remembering book titles from the early 20th century. And one of my favorites was the Hardy Boys, The Missing Chums. Chum means friend, pal, good friend, a close friend. But I looked this up. It actually comes from the 17th century. Way back in Oxford University, it was a slang term that they used to describe a roommate. Now, chum is short for chamber fellow. Chamber fellow was a roommate at Oxford University. And chum is an alternate spelling of cham, which is the first four letters of chamber fellow. Now, here's where it gets interesting to me. And again, I apologize. The word nerd in me finds this fascinating. I discovered that in the late 17th century, people had a fondness for clipped words. In other words, abbreviations. In other words, the same exact thing we do these days. How many times have you heard somebody say, whatever, instead of whatever, or bay instead of baby, or any of the innumerable abbreviations you've heard on the internet, on Twitter, on YouTube, wherever you hear it, people clip words now. They've been doing this for 400 years. And that's where the word chum comes from. It's a clipped word and an abbreviation for chamber fellow. So if you want to take it upon yourself to say, well, these kids, they don't use full words anymore. It's always been this way. We always, we've always clipped words and chum is a prime example of it. Chum means friend and it comes from your friendly neighborhood roommate back in Oxford University. And you can thank the teenagers from the 17th century for clipping the phrase chamber fellow down to chum. Now, before I close the podcast, I did mention the curtain in the back of the video store. You all know what's behind the curtain in the back, don't you? You know. Because out front there was the action section, the comedy section, the romantic comedy, the horror, the science fiction. The curtain in the back is where the adult films were. 
And there was a big sign. No one under 18 admitted. And of course, when you're under 18, where's the first place you want to go? Every once in a while, you would catch a glimpse as somebody kind of snuck back behind the curtain and you would see all kinds of weird little titles back there. Debbie Does Dallas, Star Whores, American Booty, The Da Vinci Load, Tits a Wonderful Life. There was a wide variety of interesting titles behind the curtain. Now me personally, I wouldn't know anything about this. I've heard stories, but I wouldn't know anything about that. That's going to do it for this episode of Storytime. Thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate you listening to all of the episodes, including this best of episode. Hope you liked it. If you have any suggestions or stories you'd like to hear on future best of episodes, just let me know. Message me on Twitter. Whisper me on Twitch. Mention it on Discord on the Storytime channel. Just let me know. We'll find those stories. We'll put them up in future episodes. Thanks again, guys. Until next time, you take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.